Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us today. I have a special notification about our topic right at the beginning of this broadcast for parents. This broadcast is going to be dealing with overcoming a pornography habit. I try to be discreet when describing everything on the air, but just in case you have real little ones in the car with you or whatever, I want you to know what I'm going to be talking about. And in fact, the longer title to this episode is a radical method for overcoming a pornography habit. And today's not the full story of what I'm going to be recommending. There's going to be another episode or, or two. But when I say radical method, radical doesn't mean new and crazy. It literally means getting to the root or origin of something that's absolutely fundamental. And that's what we're going to be driving at. And I must ask, if you're married, why in the world would you want to eliminate porn from your life? Why even talk about it? And I ask myself the same question. I'm laughing out of nervousness, by the way. I have been trying to help particularly Catholic men overcome pornography habits for 22 years. Uh, I got into this very early on dealing in Catholic men's ministry. It loomed just large on the horizons, like this giant storm coming. Actually, I discovered the storm was already there. So I want to help people. I want to keep families together. I want to have marriages together. And I want to read you just a couple of paragraphs that I wrote uh, in one of my books entitled The ABCs of Choosing a Good Husband. And the title of the chapter, which I'm reading from, is Ruinous Effects of Pornography on Your Future Marriage. And this book, of course, was written for those to be married, but it applies if you're married as well. My radio co-host looked at me as if she had just witnessed a fatal automobile accident. Following a broadcast on pornography addiction, she listened to a trembling wife describe the agonizing effects of her husband's pornography addiction. The despairing wife concluded by saying, quote, death would be preferable to this, unquote. Unless you think the excruciating experience of this wife is unique, let me tell you what happened after a broadcast on the topic of pornography at EWTN. The producer approached me with a serious look on his face and said, the entire call center staff is in tears. Now, remember, the EWTN staff are veterans in fielding calls regularly from viewers with all sorts of problems, yet they weren't prepared to hear the tales of marital devastation caused by pornography. So, why am I still talking about pornography after 22 years is because of the ruinous effects it is having on marriages 
And even those today who are single, preparing for marriage, you want to get this way out of your life and keep it out of your marriage. But bringing it up to date, fairly up to date, in 2016, the American Sociological Association presented some findings. They asked the question to research, what happens when married men and women begin to consume pornography? What happens to their marriages? For men who began a pornography addiction during their marriage, their divorce rate doubled. And for women who view pornography during the course of their marriage, their divorce rate tripled. And I can't think of anything that is so devastating statistically on a marriage. In U.S. Senate testimony, it was said that 40% of those addicted to pornography will end up losing their spouse. And in a survey of wives of those uh, having sexual addictions, 70% of those wives met the criteria for a diagnosis of post-traumatic stress disorder. This isn't a veteran coming back from a horrible war zone. This is a wife living with sex addiction. So obviously, this is something that really needs to have Christ's help and healing. Okay, how to overcome a pornography habit. And I'm going to be suggesting a radical Christian method. But first, we need to know what exactly is going on and actually advances in science over the course of the last two decades have helped tremendously because the brain imaging has allowed us to see exactly what happens to brains when they're viewing pornography, uh, when uh, there's certain imbalances, chemical imbalances, and so what happens to the brain on drugs. And obviously, it's very similar to what happens with a brain on drugs, what happens to pornography. Pornography has a neurochemical kick, uh, a kick, chemical kick for the brain. And it's very similar to most powerful drugs. And what makes matters more serious, it not only gives a temporary kick, like somebody taking a, a, a shot of heroin or something, but because of the neurochemicals involved, the image that was viewed has a permanent imprint on the brain. In other words, chemically, it's imprinted in the brain. I can remember talking to a 70-year-old Catholic man, very faithful Catholic man, years and decades, uh, regular uh, mass attendance, involved in everything good in the church, strong pro-lifer and everything else. And he said to me, Steve, I can remember X decades ago when I was young and foolish and looking at some pornography, I can close my eyes and see it today. And here he is, a 70-year-old. Okay, so there's a neurochemical kick. That's the brain chemical kick, stimulation. There's the permanent imprint that these chemicals bring to the brain from that image. And then third, and this is actually very serious, there are neural pathways created by re repeated pornography viewing. And what I'm talking about, well, this is the way I've described it to men in 
Catholic men's conferences. Not far from here, there's a beautiful Highway 11. Everybody who has a motorcycle or a convertible goes out there on a nice spring day, and it's a beautiful highway running along the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. But it didn't start out that way. Uh, Highway 11, the Cherokee Highway, was a Cherokee footpath. It was a trail that the Cherokee Native Americans used to travel along the foothills. And then came the settlers to this area, and it became a wagon trail. So it went from a footpath to a wagon trail, and then, you know, it became a road, and now it's a beautiful, beautiful two-lane highway. And so it expands. So what happens to your brain, okay, when there's repeated pornography viewing, there's not only the kick, the stimulus, not only the permanent imprint, but the amount of the brain that's used and the depth of the images and and impact from that viewing expands. And pornographers are really clever in knowing how the brain works to increase the likelihood of addiction. For instance, a pornography shot would show attractive women without any clothes on or very few sitting on a very hot car holding a basketball or a football. Well, why is that? I thought it would just be uh, a picture of an undressed woman. No, because by having the car, by having the sports imagery, you're expanding the area of the brain that's impacted by that pornography. So really the addiction then comes because the initial kick, it's like first time you had coffee or maybe drank a beer or something and you you get a lot of stimulation from it. But once your body adjusts to that caffeine kick, you need a little bit more, a second or third cup, to have the same effect you had when you first started drinking coffee. Well, in a very serious and negative sense, this is what happens in pornography, and that's why once you start, uh, it develops into an addiction quite easily because of these brain chemicals. And it's not just... uh, happening in a moment's time, it deeply embeds itself and alters the very pathways, the neural pathways in your brain. And this is really serious. And so we're going to try to propose ways to overcome this. And it's going to be more than just a day to do this. But let me just give a tip for parents uh, before we get into this. Given what I just described, and there's a lot of good things coming out um, on the neurochemistry of addiction and such, Uh, but here's a tip for parents of teenagers. And I'm assuming your teenager is uh, stable enough to not want to use and, and know that they don't want to use hard drugs like cocaine or fentanyl or heroin or something like that. And so if that's true, okay, you could say to your teen, why wouldn't you want to use heroin? And they would look at you crazy. Dad, you're out of your mind. It's so addictive. I wouldn't want to start. Well, you could say the exact same thing about pornography. And a lot of young people don't know of its addictive nature through the same neurochemicals that are involved in drugs, 
those are involved with pornography. So uh, it's just a way perhaps to uh, keep your teens away from it because believe me, it's even in today's uh, internet (laughs) full of pornography, it's far, far, far easier to simply avoid it and never begin than get addicted and have to stop, okay? It's tough to stop, not impossible, but it's easier never to begin. Now, this is gonna seem strange the way I'm approaching this, and uh, hear me out because again, um, I've been talking on this and dealing with this long before a lot of people who are doing this full time even began studying the issue, okay? And I'm gonna take a different direction. I'm gonna talk or give you an update on something I I mentioned when we were dealing with drugs, and that's a group called Teen Challenge, an evangelical group. It's a group that I worked with in campus ministry way, way, way back. But what we have found out is that I knew Teen Challenge was one of the most effective groups in the United States helping young people off of drugs. Now, somebody might say, I thought you were talking about pornography addiction. I'm really talking about neurochemistry addiction, which is tough addiction. Hard drug addictions are tough addictions, and pornography is a tough addiction. And I'm going for what I have found the best Christian model to help people get off of drugs and see how can we use this model and adapt it for pornography addiction. So back to Teen Challenge, a recent study came out and found that Teen Challenge had an astonishing 78% success rate from its graduates, both adults and teens, in their addiction recovery centers. They remain sober and substance-free post-graduation. Last time I talked to you about Teen Challenge, I could say they had about a 70% success rate. Now it's been measured by a university and it's measured at a 78% success rate. Over three quarters of those who complete their program are, you know, are, are free of, of drugs. And I don't think there's anything quite like this because I've gone to all these very expensive recovery programs and uh, they kind of beat around the bush of what exactly their success rate is. In addition to their 78% success rate of being substance-free, 92% reported no uh, further legal problems post-graduation. In other words, they're not rearrested with drugs. 25% have enrolled in new education training and 91% reported improved quality of relationships with family members. Now, Teen Challenge Recovery Program, their centers are actually residential Christian discipleship programs. And who knows? I dare say I think pornography is the greatest problem facing Christian churches today and perhaps the most significant serious problem of a moral nature facing the church in her history. This is something just inconceivable before the days of the internet and all of that. But one report tried to 
bring the the secret to success for Teen Challenge into a phrase, and they said their key to success is, quote, the Jesus factor, unquote. Now, somebody might think, Steve, this is a very simplistic proposed solution to an extremely deep problem. And I recognize it's a very deep problem. And because it is such a deep problem, it's why I look to the model of Teen Challenge and seeing that the Jesus factor is a solution that needs to be brought into this deep problem. Now, hear me out. Even some very pious, well-formed Catholic and Protestant uh, counselors and psychologists, even though they know a lot of theology and such, and will have a um, marginal influence of the Jesus factor in their therapies, a lot of it's other things, behavioral modifications and this and this and that. Uh, I'm starting with the Jesus factor because the most successful group in helping drug abuse uh, success, uh, overcoming it, sobriety, is Teen Challenge. And by the way, I found out about Teen Challenge when they went after them in Texas. And then Governor George Bush said, no, we're not going after this group. They're the best they are getting young people off of drugs. Now, I don't know if you're aware, but um, psychologically oriented drug treatment centers that don't have the Jesus factor, there's counseling and a lot of other things go on in the Teen Challenge program, but at the core of it is the Jesus factor. The, The secular ones, parents are finding, and individuals, uh, repeated relapses. It's not like as your son going, gone through uh, drug treatment, it's how many times have they gone through drug treatment? Because they go through and relapse, go back and relapse. And these things can cost as much as $5,000 a month, or if you want the luxury one, it can cost as much as $25,000 a month. And very often you have to do more than one entire treatment, which means you're robbing your bank accounts for these repeated relapses. You're taking out second mortgages and the result is disappointing failures. So we're looking at the Jesus factor and this isn't just evangelical Christians. I read everybody, by the way, if they have something good to offer, I'm, I'm not too proud to open a book and say, what's Teen Challenge doing? And another book, I've mentioned this before, is a book entitled Orthodox Psychotherapy. It's one of the more expensive books I've bought in two decades. It was $44.50, and I looked at this book several times during a conference, and it looked fascinating. I thought, boy, this is so much money. But I, I bought it. And this wasn't a simplistic book by any means. It was leaders in the Orthodox Church, but their premise is that Sin has wounded the soul. And what is psychology? It's a study of the soul. And many psychologists, again, just marginalize trying to treat the soul. So in Orthodox Psychotherapy, this book, it says it's really the healing of the soul. And you can put it, in other words, of a conversion and growth in Christ-likeness or Christian discipleship. 
So here's my premise. Why not take successful Christian strategies for overcoming drug addiction, which at their root is a neurochemistry addiction, and apply it to pornography addiction? Because pornography is so hard to shake. It's a tough one because, like drug addiction, it's a neurochemistry addiction. All right. Now, I'm going to share something with you that's very important from a George Barnes survey. And I have had some of my materials that I wrote on pornography uh, repeated by others, sometimes footnoted and sometimes not. Uh, One of those was done in a a Catholic leader's paper that went all over the country and stuff. But no one has repeated the findings of this study that I've mentioned, uh, at least Catholics. And I found it so difficult to believe this report that I called the Barna offices to confirm that what I had read about Catholics and pornography was in fact true. And there are two things that came out of that study of American Catholics, interviews of 4,000 Catholics nationwide. Number one, The average American Catholic is 38% less likely than the average American to read the Bible. Two, Catholics were more likely to recycle than the average American, but twice as likely to view pornography. Okay, well, and then there is a third uh, item I should mention, too that Catholics reported that they were far more likely to believe that they could earn their eternal salvation by things they did. And if you know the message of the Bible, it's utterly impossible to earn your salvation. That's why God came to earth, Jesus Christ, uh, in order that we might have eternal life. But there's a 100% guarantee of failure in the Christian life if you're depending on your unaided efforts to gain eternal salvation. So here it is. This is what I would urge you to do, and this isn't, this is not simplistic, although it's exceedingly simple. If you can fill in the following blank, then you can have the foundation, that radical, that root-like foundation to enable you to be on the way to restoration of your soul and thereby finding the motivation and energy to transform your life and get off the pornography or drugs or whatever it is. And here it is. You fill in this blank. God loves me because. Fill it in. That's the key. And again, uh, I've thought about this for 22 years, and you might say, Steve, you're losing your marbles. And there's probably a lot of people who would agree with that. But hear me. Perhaps the clearest gospel, well, I shouldn't say perhaps, it is the clearest gospel in the simplest language in the Greek New Testament is the Gospel of John. When you're studying Greek, uh, you go to the Gospel of John because it's certainly a lot easier to read Greek than Matthew, Mark, or Luke. And remember, it's also what they call Koine Greek, 
It's not the classical fancy Greek of the philosophers. Koine Greek was, it was just the language of the marketplace, okay? Now, if you're really slow like me in learning Greek, and even the Gospel of John is hard, where you turn is the first letter of John, 1 John. It's even simpler than the Gospel of John. It's the easiest Greek in the New Testament, and <laughs> it kind of gives you a little encouragement, like, wow, I can read this verse, and maybe I can actually learn this language. My point being, John is the man closest to Jesus, the man whose head was on the heart of Jesus, wrote the clearest gospel, and then as he got older, he writes this first letter. So either he was getting senile or he just nailed it. Ten point, nailed it. This is the heart of it. And this is the verse that I want you to know, probably one of the most important verses in all the Bible, certainly one of the most important verses for overcoming an addiction, and certainly one of the most important verses for rooting yourself in Christ. It's from 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19. And it goes like this. We love. We love. And by that, it can mean loving Christ and getting rid of the filth in our life, loving Christ and doing good works for him and all of the things and supporting our families and uh, having a good marriage. We love because he first loved us. We can't do anything to earn his love, to get going in this life. And you know what? There's something in our wiring of human beings. We just kind of flip this. And if we just do this or that, he'll really love us. No. God loves us because he loves us, period. And that's very hard for a human being to conceive. And that's why 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. And if you can get that through your mind and through your mind to the center of your being that God loves you, period, you can then find the energy and the motivation to begin loving him back including overcoming a neurochemistry addiction. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to Faith and Family Radio. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to learn more about Catholic family life.